Welcome to Crisis to Comeback, your Western Colorado climate action podcast. Each episode addresses climate change in Western Colorado with a focus on Delta County. This season of Crisis to Comeback, you'll hear interviews and conversations from local voices in our community, government, renowned scientists, and experts in our Western climate. This podcast was made possible in part by the West Elk Community Fund and Citizens for a Healthy Community. I'm your host, Corey Stanton, and in this episode, I'll be speaking with Paonia resident Ann Lee Foster. Prior to moving to the Western Slope, Ann Lee was living in Boulder and was the Director of Communications and Community Engagement at Colorado Rising, where she served as the ballot initiative proponent and lead spokesperson for the Proposition 112 Ballot Initiative campaign. She now serves on the board of an organization called Safe and Healthy Colorado. Safe and Healthy Colorado is a grassroots volunteer-led coalition of Coloradans who are working toward a safer, healthier future. Their new ballot initiative is focused on phasing out new fracking permits in Colorado by the year 2030. I asked Ann Lee to talk a bit about the process and her experience with the 112 ballot initiative. In 2018, sort of the culmination of the oil and gas versus the people fight in the state of Colorado with the Safer Setback Ballot Initiative, what we were seeking to pass through the citizens initiative process was a 2,500 foot setback for new oil and gas development from homes, schools, and waterways. The setback previously was only 500 feet. Uh, and a little bit further for schools, but you know, incredibly close, especially for industrial scale oil and gas extraction like we're seeing popping up across the state now. Uh, and that was a massive fight that cost the oil and gas industry about $50 million. We ended up losing by about five points in the end, uh, but it also inspired the Colorado Democratic Party to bring forth uh, Senate Bill 181, which was an overhaul of the Oil and Gas Conservation Commission that really created a lot of reform um, and potential for new regulations at the state level for the oil and gas industry. So we encountered a statewide, pretty sophisticated harassment campaign. Myself and a few of my colleagues were sued for defamation. We were hacked, our phones and our email. We had people that followed us around and would stalk us in public and try and intimidate us. It was a really um, extensive and wild process, but we were able to make some change on a pretty large scale, which I think we're all very proud of. Yeah, that's wild. (laughs) Yeah, it was a crazy process. To begin with, there was actually a hotline that the oil and gas industry distributed to all of their employees where they could text the location of our signature gatherers. And within about 10 or 15 minutes, harassers would show up that would yell at people not to sign the petition. And that was tested by um, Sam Brash at Colorado Public Radio a couple of times. That was sort of the beginning of it all. They paid off our signature gathering firms. We actually have recordings of some of our signature gathering firm leaders admitting that they took bribes to stop working with us. One of our signature gathering firms, when they quit on us overnight, they packaged up 25,000 signatures and took them out of state. 
it was really crazy. And uh, yeah, we encountered an enormous amount of opposition. And so we know that there was about $50 million spent against us on the books. But we also know there's a lot of dark money spent against us as well. And then obviously these sort of dirty tactics is all off the books type of activity as well. So who knows how much it actually was in the end. But yeah, it was a wild campaign. We learned a lot. I think we all knew that it was going to be uh, difficult and that they played dirty, but we weren't prepared for how far it was going to go. Yeah, I'm sort of speechless, to be honest. Thank you for sharing all that. That's incredible. For sure. What is your perspective on why it is so difficult to tackle the climate crisis? I think a huge part of it is the sophistication of the disinformation tactics of the oil and gas industry. They are deeply entrenched in our political systems. Uh, For example, Governor Hickenlooper, who's a Democratic governor, sued local municipalities on behalf of the oil and gas industry in the state of Colorado to overturn the local bans and just local regulations. That was one of the reasons that inspired us to take on the ballot initiative process is because we really didn't have political representation that was on the side of the people and communities. They were really entrenched with the oil and gas industry. I also testified in a congressional hearing last September about the disinformation tactics on, that the oil and gas industry uses. And it's very much aligned with the same tactics that the tobacco industry used. And there was a professor from Rutgers that spoke to that in the 70-year campaigns from the oil and gas industry to convince that they are on the side of, you know, the good guys, that they're actually a part of the solution, um, that they're doing the right thing, something we like to call greenwashing. This is what Um, the oil and gas industry is saying. They're testifying that they're doing all these good things. Right, right. So for a long time, it was that climate change didn't exist or it did exist, but we didn't know if it was caused by fossil fuels. Now we've all sort of accepted across the board that climate change is real, it does exist, and it is caused by fossil fuels. And so the new tactic is that the fossil fuel industry is a part can be a part of the solution. Now there's a lot of studies out there that show while they're saying they're part of the solution, they're actually doing the exact opposite in practice. Um, And so, yeah, that would be, we call that greenwashing, sort of a marketing tactic, a marketing strategy. And so I think all the, like not only the entrenched in the government, but also these very sophisticated and extensive disinformation campaigns have led to a place where we're kind of beholden to the industry. They've been able to thwart innovation. They've been able to really benefit from subsidization. Um, Most of these major companies don't pay any taxes at the federal level. And we have started to get into a better place on a statewide level in terms of taxing the industry. But they get off with a lot of benefits and a lot less taxes than the average citizen would. So all of these things compound to them really having a chokehold on our culture, society, our psyche, and our government. In this podcast, we've talked a lot about solutions and tools and you know even small steps to start to improve the warming of our climate. I know you know a lot on the state level, you've been involved on the state level, specifically for our Western Slope listeners. What types of tools are available to citizens when they become frustrated by political inaction? 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, ballot initiatives are available on the statewide level, but also on the city, town, and county level. And they are really powerful tools to get a lot done in a fast manner, in a way that also a lot of politicians, I think, can be intimidated to take action in larger ways. Um, So, you know, I think the ballot initiative process really gives us a lot of freedom and creativity to address specific issues to our specific communities. So obviously water and our watershed is a big concern here on the Western Slope. So there's potentially opportunities there to help folks uh, be create programs to help folks be better stewards of watersheds. Uh, yeah, just spitballing there, you know, you could go a million different directions with that. And uh, I think it's really up to the communities to come to together and decide what is the most fitting for them, what's the most beneficial for them, what's within reach for them, what's something that they can pass, you know, I think mm-hmm. that's a big part of this strategy as well. And so there's a lot of potential there. And I think that that's a really powerful tool to not only put pressure on legislators to do more, but to just get real tangible things done in real time. Since Delta County has relinquished oil and gas regulations back to the state, how does that come into play for folks that live in Delta County? Yeah, so with... The passage of SB 181, the state legislature created a ceiling for how far localized regulations can go. So you also can't lower the regulations below what the statewide requirements are. So as an act of rebellion, I would say, (laughs) um, the Delta County commissioners decided to just wipe the books of, of any kind of oil and gas regulations or permitting process um, as a way to greenlight the industry in the county. But part of the state law was that they can't go below what the state requirements are. So there is still a 2,000-foot setback in place. That was one of the new regulations that was passed as a part of 181. There's some air monitoring regulations and different things like that. And that process is cumulative impacts, which is going to be a major part of major rulemaking coming up. But so there is a backstop that the Delta County commissioners can't undo. It's not great that that's what their decision was, but at least they can't just totally, you know, open the floodgates for whatever kind of development they want. So there's a new ballot initiative You want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. So there is a new ballot initiative that will begin collecting signatures in 2024. It's for a phase out of fracking throughout the state of Colorado. Um, So this would be a drawdown of fossil fuel extraction. Uh, We have about 50,000 active oil and gas wells right now. So we don't need any more. The Paris Climate Agreement says that if we want to have a livable climate, we have to stop extracting oil and gas, um, and we have to leave fossil fuels in the ground. So this is an active part of moving towards that. You know, I think the Democratic Party and Governor Polis have put forth some climate and emissions strategy, and there's definitely problems with those that we won't get into right now. Uh, But a huge hole 
in that is that they aren't accounting for any of the emissions from what's extracted in the state of Colorado. And if you account for that and what actually gets exported and burnt overseas, mostly in China, it's actually significantly larger than what the emissions for what they're accounting for now within the state. So it's a significant impact. And I think um, this is a really important initiative to begin to educate voters and educate people about those impacts and about just how extensive and how much of a contributor to the climate crisis extraction in Colorado is. So when a ballot initiative like the one you're advancing to phase out oil and gas permits by 2030 is put forward, what can we expect as a response from industry, regulators, and political administration when this goes against the status quo? I think we can expect what we've always seen from the industry is that they're going to cry that this is a death sentence for them and that they'll never recover and that this is going to be horrible for the state of Colorado. And the same rhetoric that we've seen every time a community has tried to bring forth any kind of sensible science-based regulations. Uh, I think politicians generally have the same response because they are beholden to the industry in a lot of ways and don't want to make enemies out of a very powerful and politically vested group. And I think most of it is not true. Uh, I think necessity is the mother of innovation and that if we want to start moving towards a, a more sustainable and livable society and climate, we need to start making massive changes. Um, and this is a part of that. How does phasing out oil and gas permits by 2030 help the Western Slope, which is disproportionately warming? Because Colorado and the ex extraction is such a hidden contribution to our overall, to, to the climate crisis overall, uh, that by drawing that down, phasing that out, we dramatically slow down um, the overall climate crisis, or at least our contribution to it. Obviously, there's a lot of factors. Mm -hmm. A lot of these oil and gas sites are actually super polluter sites because they have enormous leak rates and methane warms the atmosphere on average 87 times more than just carbon dioxide in the short term. So this is a major contributor, and especially when we're looking at a really short time frame for our ability to make a significant impact, like just a few years, really. And so methane is a huge part of that. And if we can take that contributor out, which is such a significant amplifier to the situation, it impacts the whole enormously. Mm -hmm. And I think it also creates a ripple effect when other states see that citizens can come together and do things like this. It's really inspiring. I think that was one thing that the oil and gas industry said many times in 2018, that they were afraid of this creating a domino effect and inspiring other ballot initiatives um, in other places to put more strict regulations on oil and gas. Um, and, you know, that's a great thing. We want to see that. We need that. We need that type of... Uh, fractalization of the movement and spreading of the movement to make the change that needs to happen. Yeah. Anything else you want to touch on? Yeah. I mean, go out and do it, you know, write, write a ballot initiative, come up with something that you want to see. I don't know, composting in your community, reintroduction of beavers, 
there's so many different things that we can do to support our local communities and simple language, straightforward, something that a lot of people can support. It really, especially in these more rural counties that don't have huge populations, you don't have to collect a lot of signatures. So get a handful of friends together, go to some gatherings, cider fests, cherry days, whatever the case may be get that puppy on the ballot and like, let's make some change. I mean, I think it's, it's right there for all of us to take advantage of. And so I'd, I'd love to see more people step up and lead the way in a small capacity, in a large capacity, in whatever capacity they can. Are you available if someone listening to this podcast feels inspired to write a ballot initiative? Are you available maybe via email or something to... Sure. Answer any questions? Yeah, absolutely. I am happy to do, you know, a certain amount of pro bono consulting. <laughs> um, and I also do um, nonprofit campaign and movement building consulting if it's a more extensive project. But yeah, if anyone's just getting started and wants to have a conversation about things to think about, just preliminary steps, I'm more than open to do that and glad to. So. Okay, great. I'll, if you're comfortable with it, link your email in the um, post when I get this live on all the platforms. So, Ann Lee, thank you so much for joining us and really appreciate you telling your story and sharing your experience. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Corey. That was Ann Lee Foster, Peony resident, communications consultant, and climate advocate. If you feel inspired to write your own ballot initiative but don't know where to start, reach out to us and we'll get you in touch with Ann Lee. You've been listening to Crisis to Come Back, your Western Colorado Climate Action podcast, produced and hosted by me, Corey Stanton, and occasionally co-hosted by Alan Harvey. Crisis to Come Back is a local and regional weekly short-form podcast that explores the impacts of climate change and the state of warming in Delta County and Western Colorado, and local climate actions taken by individual citizens, businesses, and government. Get informed, inspired, and empowered by listening to these short episodes and become a part of the solution to addressing our rapidly changing local climate. This podcast was made possible in part by the West Elk Community Fund and Citizens for a Healthy Community. If you have questions, comments, or want to learn more about this podcast, please reach out to us by emailing crisis to come back at chc the number four you.org. Thank you for listening.